going to be going into this great promised land. Now, Moses was leading the people. He just passed away, and this leadership baton is now passed to Joshua. So Joshua's here. He's getting ready. And in chapter one, it's all about, if you've read Joshua, honestly, it's such a good book. If you haven't read it, please do. In the beginning of Joshua, Joshua 1, it's all about God preparing them. So he's saying, Joshua, get ready, get ready, get your people ready, be strong and courageous. That verse is found in the first chapter there. And we are going to pick up tonight from verse 2, or not verse 2, sorry, chapter 2. So if you're there, say I'm there. And if you're not there, well, we're started. So chapter 2, here we go. Then Joshua, son of Nun, secretly sent two spies from Shittim. Go, look over the land, he said, especially Jericho. So they went, and they entered the house of a prostitute named Rahab, and stay there. Everyone say Rahab. Rahab, she's key. Remember her. Verse 2, the king of Jericho was told, look, some of the Israelites have come here tonight to spy out the land. So the king of Jericho sent this message to Rahab. Bring out your men who came to you and entered your house, because they have come to spy out the whole land. Verse 4. But the woman had taken the two men and hidden them. Hmm, she said. Yes, the men came to me, but I did not know where they came from. At dusk, when it was time to close the city gate, they left. I don't know which way they went. Go after them quickly. You may catch up with them. Brackets. Brackets are key. Verse 6. But she had taken them up to the roof and hidden them under the stalks of flax she had laid out under the roof, or on the roof. Stalks of flax. Comfortable hiding spot. We've got some hide and seek going on. Verse 7, so the men sent out in pursuit of the spies on the road that leads to the fords of the Jordan, and as soon as the pursuers had gone, the gate was shut. So at this point, you know, in Jericho at night, the city gate would be shut. So the pursuers are gone, these people who are looking for the spies, gate's shut. All right? Verse 8, before the spies lay down for the night, she went up to the roof, and she said to them, this is Rahab, I know that the Lord has given you this land, and that a great fear of you has fallen on us, so that all who live in this country are melting in fear because of you. We have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for when you came out of Egypt, and what you did to Sahan and Og, the two kings of the Amorites east of the Jordan, whom you completely destroyed. When we heard of it, our hearts melted in fear, and everyone's courage failed because of you. For the Lord, your God, is God in heaven above and on the earth below. Rahab is preaching. Verse 12, then, now then, please swear to me by the Lord, this is Rahab speaking, that you will show kindness to my family because I have shown kindness to you. Give me a sure sign that you may spare the lives of my father and my mother, my brothers and sisters, and all that middle children, and all who belong to them, and that you will save us from death. Now this is the spies at this point. Verse 14, if you're not there, Our lives for your lives, the man answered. If you don't tell what we are doing, we will treat you kindly and faithfully when the Lord gives us the land. So she let them down the rope by the window, through the window. We've got some FBI mission going on here. For the house she lived in was part of the city wall. She said to them, go to the hills so the pursuers, so these are the guys looking for the spies, will not find you. Hide yourself there for three days. How many days? Three days until they return and then go on your way. Chapter, verse 17. Now the men said to her, This oath you made us swear will not be binding on us unless this scarlet cord, underline that, underline that, underline that. Sorry, I skipped a line there. Unless when we enter the land, you have tied this scarlet cord in the window through which you let us down. 
And unless you have brought your father, your mother, your brothers and sisters, and all your family into your house, if any of them go outside your house into the street, their blood will be on their own heads. We will not be responsible. As for those, are, as for those who are in the house with you, their blood will be on our head if a hand is laid on them. But if you tell anyone what we are doing, we will be released from this oath you made us swear. Agreed, Rahab said. Let it be as you say. So she sent them away, and they departed. So they're going down the window. They're climbing down. We've got the FBI going on here. And she tied the scarlet cord to the window. Verse 22. When they left, they went to the hills and stayed there three days until the pursuers had searched all along the road and returned without finding them. Then the two men started back. They went down out of the hills, forded the river, and came to Joshua, son of Nun, and told him everything that had happened. They said this to Joshua, the Lord has surely given the whole land into our hands. All of the people are melting in fear because of us. Let's pray. God, what a night so far, Father. It is such an honor and a privilege to stand up here, God, and, and to be able to be a vessel for you tonight, for you to use me, God, and speak to these students. God, I pray for expectant hearts, hearts that are not already open. Father, I pray right now that you'd have students in this room, God, so receptive to what you want to be said tonight, God. God, let your will be done tonight. And Father, we bless our pastors, Pastor Kyle and Natasha tonight, Father. I pray strength, comfort, God, as they lead this ministry, as they steerhead us, God. May you bless them so immeasurably, Father. So God, have your way tonight. In your name, amen. Guys at the back, you can play the clip when you're ready. Halloween of 2003, I was 13 years old and I was surfing with my best friend. It was like a picture-perfect morning. It was beautiful out, and the water was just crystal clear blue. We were just surfing, waiting for waves, and I was kind of sitting out further than everyone else, and um, within a split second, the shark came and took my arm. I didn't really have time to think much. Right away, I just knew I had to get to the beach just to survive this. Immediately, my friends came and helped me. and I just kind of laid there and just prayed the whole way in, just um, asking God for help. I had lost about 60% of my blood, and as I was getting into the ambulance, there was a local paramedic, and he whispered in my ear and said, God will never leave you nor forsake you. My heart to Jesus when I was about five years old and being able to turn to Jesus during this crazy moment in my life, it gave me a sense of peace and calmness and I think that's one thing that just kept me alive. I'm 13, I have dreams and goals and I was doing really well with surfing. I didn't know if I was going to be able to surf again or not. Surfing, there's something just really special about it. The feelings that you get when you're on a good wave, it's just your adrenaline's just pumping, the, like, the blood's just flowing through your whole body. 
Every wave is different. It's not like every wave is the same. And being out there in the ocean and in God's creation, it's like a gift that He's given us to enjoy. I knew I wanted to continue surfing. It was more of like just waiting for the doctor's orders to like allow me to go in the water. But I got out there and it was pretty amazing experience just um, learning how to surf with one arm. I mean, I knew how to surf, but it was just figuring out how to do it with one arm. And I ended up getting up on my third wave and riding it all the way in. And right then I just knew I'd be surfing for a long time. From what seems like such a horrible thing, God has just brought glory to himself through me and um, I've been able to just be a good light to people and share his love. I wake up every day and honor God in everything that I do and I may fall short sometimes, but all I want to do is love him. My name is Bethany Hamilton and I am second. So I don't know if any of you know her story. You might know the movie Soul Surfer. Have you seen that? Probably a lot of you have. Um, so this clip was done actually, I think about six years ago now. And so now she's actually married. She's 27. She has a little boy. Um, she actually is involved in a lot of charities. And Bethany Hamilton has her own foundation called, let me get this right, uh, Friends of Bethany. And so they reach out to amputees and youth, and they're encouraging them um, in this broken world by offering hope through Jesus Christ. Now, I don't know if you heard in the video, she was 13 when this happened. 13 years old, you know, she's swimming, her arm gets taken. And of anyone, of anyone, you think her in that moment would have an excuse to be like, why God? Like, why, why would you allow this to me? She'd grown up in a Christian home, so she knew Jesus, and she'd known, you know, about having faith in God and trusting in him. And yet she has her arm eaten by a shark, and she's left in this spot of like, okay, what now? And I don't know um, if you know this or not, I was reading a little bit about her, and I think it's about two months after the accident that she's getting back in the water, and she was trying to learn, okay, how can I get back to surfing with one arm? And you see, like I said, of anyone, she had a reason to give up, a reason to say, okay, you know what, God, I don't trust you anymore. And yet she cho chose to trust. She chose to say, God, I still trust you. And now she's 27 and has organizations, and she speaks she goes to schools and organizations, and she'll speak about what God's done in her life and, and share about how she fought and, and where she is today. And she has a little boy and, and the things she's accomplished. And you see, fear and trust go hand in hand, and that's something I want to talk about tonight. When fear is holding ground, trust is lacking. When fear is gripping you, there's trust lacking in your life. And so if you're taking notes tonight, not because my words are any good, it's God's that I'm hoping are coming through me. If you're taking notes tonight, the, the topic of tonight, the, the title of tonight is trust issues. Trust issues. And my bottom line tonight, guys, is if your trust ain't surrendered, or your trust ain't surrendered until God is at the wheel of your heart. Your trust ain't surrendered until God is at the wheel of your heart. Because here's the reality. You can't walk in true trust when God comes second when God comes second and third and fourth, and he's not first place in your life. So that's the topic tonight, and I'm going to talk about three reasons why you should trust. 
three reasons that we can learn from Rahab in this passage why you should trust. And pardon me if I'm taking a lot of drinks of water tonight. I actually, this is the first time I've left my house since Wednesday. Um, I battled a pretty brutal cold this week, so I'm taking a lot of sips of my water. Pardon me. Um, so, point one, why you should trust. The first one is God uses the unexpected and the willing. God uses the unexpected and the willing. Bethany Hamilton, uh, when you see her story, when we watched in that movie there, she, she was probably not expecting to have God use her life after that. You know, having her arm God and thinking, okay, what am I actually going to be able to do? And when we look in this passage with Rahab, Rahab was a prostitute. I don't know if you caught that. She was a prostitute, okay? She wasn't some celebrity. She wasn't some athlete. She wasn't some nobility, you know, working for the king or working in, you know, for the king of Jericho at the time. She was a prostitute. Of anybody, you can start to think, you know, would God really use a prostitute? Would God really use somebody like that? Would God really see potential in that? You see, when the spies went to Jericho, when Joshua sent them to spy out the land, they could have went anywhere. They ended up going into this prostitute's home thinking, okay, we're going to easily be able to blend in. You know, people are everywhere in this city. We're not, it's not like we're walking into the king's palace and they're going to go, oh, there's spies here. So they go there and, you know, from Rahab's perspective, she would have found no reason or no trouble in lying. She ends up lying and saying, oh, they're not up, you know, they're not here. The spies aren't here. She would have seen no problem with lying because she would have come being surrounded by people who don't really have a whole lot of morals. And yet, I don't know if you caught it, but God does something in her heart. God does something in Rahab's heart, and she decides to trust rather than to let her fear hold her. She decides to trust and have this little step of faith. And I don't know if you caught the verse, but she comes and she's like, hey, you're God. He did stuff. Your God did stuff. The rest of Jericho was freaking out and scared of what he's gonna, this God is going to do and take their land. And she's like, no, your God did stuff. You see, this is a cool fact, and I'm going to do spoiler alert. Rahab's family ends up being saved. And you want to know something? Rahab ends up marrying this guy. Okay, I'm going to get this right here, so I'm going to look at my notes. Rahab ends up marrying this guy named Salmon, okay? Rahab gets married. This Jewish guy, she ends up having faith in God, becoming saved and believing in God. They have a son named Boaz. You following? Okay, do get married, have a son named Boaz. Boaz has a great-grandson named David, okay, who becomes the king of Israel, who then plays a part directly in the line and the lineage of Jesus. Okay, did you follow that? Rahab, a prostitute, is directly connected genetically to Jesus. Come on. I don't know if that speaks to you. It speaks to me. Rahab steps out in faith decides to not let her fear overcome her, and she has a direct line when you look at the genetics to Jesus. You see, you'll never be good enough when your measuring stick is the opinions of others, guys. You're never going to be good enough when you look and you measure yourself by what other people say about what they think your abilities are, by what they think you can or cannot do. You have to decide to trust and take that step. Take that step. Do you believe that God can use you? Do you believe that he has a specifically tailored plan to you? I'm sure Bethany questioned that when her arm was, was taken in that accident. And yet God used the unexpected, unexpected and the willing. She was willing to still be used by God. Because what's the bottom line? Your trust ain't surrendered until God is at the wheel of your heart. Some of you may know uh, my story. 
Uh, like I said at the beginning, I ended up going to teacher's college, et cetera, et cetera. And so in order to get a job here in Ottawa, so I work for the Ottawa Carleton Board, and to get a job, you have to go through this interview process. It's a bit of a, a process now. So back when I did it, you, you had this interview time. So I go in, I had my little portfolio, you know, showing that I'm a good teacher. I'll be a good teacher. I'm me, the little rookie, and I'm coming in. And uh, I'm sitting in line, and I had this interview time. And so the interview time comes, I, they take you, I think there was maybe 15 of us. We walk down the hall, they take us into this room, and honestly, it looks like an exam room. They have these tables set up with papers on them. And so I go in, I'm like, oh gosh, what am I getting into? I go in and I sit down, and they're like, all right, you have 15 minutes to jot down some answers to these three, I think there was maybe three, maybe five questions, I can't really remember, but they're like, you have 15 minutes to write some answers down to these questions. Okay, okay, and they're like, once you're done, we're gonna take you down the hall, and there's gonna be two principals in different classrooms, and we're gonna draw, walk down the hall, be like, all right, Jen, you're in this classroom, all right, you know, Sam, you're in this classroom, and we're gonna put you in a classroom, and you're gonna have 30 minutes to basically prove to these two principals, talk about next level principal's office, two principals, why you should become a teacher, why they should hire you on their board. So I'm like, okay, gosh, this is a little intimidating. So I sit down and you know, you hear that pencil sound. You know when you're in exams and you hear that annoying pencil sound? So you're sitting down, we're sitting down, we're doing that, and uh, I finish the questions, the time is up, and we go down the hall and I go into the room that had the two principals that I went into. I sit down, I have my portfolio, you know, I start talking and I'm like, oh gosh, you know, God be with me. You know, I really wanna get a job. And we start talking and I brought up Woodville because I, I had some experience working here. And as we were, were talking, I find out that one of the principals was a Christian. And not only that, but she had gotten married at Woodville. Okay, did you get that? One of the principals of all these principals across the city was in the room that I got put into. And not only was she a Christian, but she got married at Woodville. I was like, all right, God, a little confirmation there. And so we're chatting. I'm like, okay, okay. So fast forward, I end up getting a job, not because of the connection. I ended up getting the job. And uh, we, we go on from there. And fast forward, I start working for the Car Ottawa Carleton Board and teaching. And there's three things I want to say here. I didn't have time to go into a lot of detail on the, the specifics of this. But I ended up doing a three-year degree. I ended up doing applying to one teacher's college, being like, oh, God, please help me get in. I feel like you're only calling, calling me to apply to one. Please help me get in. And then I go to this interview and get on with my first application and get a job. Now that's not to say, oh, pat on the back, Jen, good job, good job for you. No, what I'm saying is, in those little moments, honestly, there were moments where I questioned, second year university, I wanted to drop out, if I'm completely transparent. I sat with my dad, I was like, I'm done, what am I doing with my life? And he's like, you're not dropping out, sorry. All right, okay. <laughs> so I kept going. But the reality is, there were moments when I honestly questioned things, and I was like, God, do you, do you really have this? And he would give me these little moments of confirmation. Okay, yeah, I got this. Okay, next baby step, next baby step. And then I show up in this interview, and then the woman got married at Woodvale. I'm like, okay, confirmation from where I'm supposed to be. And these little things started happening, little confirmations. And you see, when I, when I finished um, teaching, I actually ended up teaching for a year, and a lot of you know this, or some of you do rather, that I went off to Bible college, you know, was one year into teaching. And then I felt like God was saying, okay, go to Bible college. Now, most people would be like, what are you doing? You just got a job. I'm like, I know, I know, but God's saying go, so I'm going. And honestly, guys, what I'm trying to get, out here, get at here is that when you trust God with the process, 
He's always going to have your back and follow through. It may not look how you think it's going to look like. It may not sound or feel like, okay, what am I doing? But he's going to follow through, and he's going to ordain those little moments and work on your behalf. And so that's point number two that I want to talk about tonight. So not only does God um, use the unexpected and the willing, but we should trust him because he works on our behalf. He will work on our behalf and make things come together. When you take those baby steps and you say, God, okay, I'm willing, I'm there. You see, Rahab, after the spies, after she lied and sends the spies away and says, I don't know where they are, or, or not sorry, the spies, but the king's men away, she goes up to the roof, okay? I don't know if you caught that. Verse, let me see where we're at here. Verse 8, or verse 9, sorry. She goes up on the roof, and she goes, I know. I know your God, your God did these, all these things for, for the, you know, for the Israelites. He's come, and he's part of the Red Sea, and he's done all these things. There's something different about your God. She's a prostitute, guys, and she recognizes there's something different about this God, and she's looking. She goes, no, if you look at the verse there, she's saying, for your, the Lord your God is heaven, or is God in heaven and above the earth and on the earth below. She's saying that this, this God, there's something different. You see, the spies actually didn't have to say a thing, and Rahab's up there is saying how great their God is. The spies are not saying a thing. She goes up to them on the roof. They're hiding underneath the flax. She goes up there. I'm like, hey, guys, your God's amazing. I'm not really understanding this. And she's talking to them, and they didn't say a thing. You see, she was choosing fear, or sorry, faith over fear. And God was working in ways that the spies probably could not have comprehended and understood why that he was working. You see, your life will speak for itself when you're following God wholeheartedly, when you trust him. When you say, God, I believe in you, I trust you, I trust what you're doing. When I believe that you have a plan and a purpose for me. Now, that's not to say that we sit on our bums and go, oh God, have your way, I trust you as I watch Netflix. You know, I trust that you're going to do things for me, and I trust that you're going to work on my behalf. You know, God, I believe you, I trust in you, I know you're going to have my back. No, that's not how it works. You want to know something? Joshua already knew that they were getting the promised land, okay? This was not a surprise to them. God had promised this. They already knew this. And yet God sends, or Joshua sends, sorry, these spies to go spy out the land. And you want to know what happens. They go in. They spy out the land. They are proactive. They're going and doing their part. And what does God do in the process of them going and spying out the land, being proactive? God reassures Joshua in the process saying, hey, yeah, I got this. I don't know if you got, but the last verse, when they go back, the spies go back to Joshua, and they say, Joshua, these people are terrified of us. They're melting in fear because of us. And so Joshua's proactive. He sends these people, even though he already knew God promised it. And then what does God do? He honors that. And he goes, hey, yeah, I'm going to give you more confidence. I'm going to give you more courage because you stepped out and you're being proactive. You see, maybe your reassurance is waiting on the other side of your obedience. Maybe the assurance, reassurance that you're waiting for, the confirmation that you're waiting for, the thing that's stirring in your heart that you're like, God, I'm not really sure. Maybe the reassurance that you're waiting for is waiting on the other side of you stepping out in obedience and choosing to trust and have faith versus letting your fear take hold of you. You see, if God uses and transforms a prostitute, what makes you think that he can't use you? He transforms a prostitute's heart. What makes you think he can't use you? This prostitute's heart who plays a role and has a genetic connection now to Jesus. Because what was the bottom line, guys? 
Your trust is not surrendered until God's at the wheel of your heart. You can't walk in this true trust if God's going to be second in your life. Do I have uh, anyone in this house or anyone in this room who uh, likes indigo or chapters? Yeah, some of you. I'll be honest. I actually love indigo and chapters, but I don't like reading. I know that sounds really funny. I, uh, school kind of ruined me in that. School very much ruined me. I uh, had to read so many textbooks for all my schooling that now the thought of picking up a book sometimes, I'm just like, oh God, I can't. However, I can walk through Indigo and the place literally just de-stresses me. I will walk through there and you see those killer deals on those little things. Some girls get me, you know, you see those little cute things. You're like, oh, so cute. But I will walk through Indigo. So my sister and I, when my sister is home, sad that she's at school, but she's going after her calling on God in her life, and that's good. But when she's home, often on Sundays, we'll go out for lunch with my parents, and then her and I will go off to Indigo, grab a coffee, I love coffee, and walk around, and literally we don't need to buy a thing, but we'll just walk around and chat, you know, catch up on life. And so this one Sunday, we did that. We had been dressed up that Sunday. I think we were both in uh, heels or whatever in dresses. Bear with me, there's a point to that. Um, not that you care what I'm wearing, but we had like heels and, and whatnot on. And we walk in and we're walking around and we're looking. And this one employee comes up to us and she goes, Oh, you girls are really dressed up today. Where were you? Like, were you out somewhere? And we were like, Oh, you know, we were at church and, and then we were out for lunch and now we're just walking around. She's like, Oh, church? I haven't been there in years. And she starts chatting with us and telling us a few things. And we're like, Okay, you know, this is great. Like, little conversation. Maybe she'll end up going to church because of it. I don't know. She went on with her life. We went on with ours. So, you know, it was a couple weeks later. We're back in there again. I don't know what we were wearing that day. It doesn't matter. And we're in there walking, and uh, we're walking along, and lo and behold, the same employee comes along, and she goes, my girls! And we're like, okay, we're now her girls. So we're like, all right. And uh, we go up to her, and we're like, oh, hi! She's like, my girls, how are you doing? And we had only talked to her once. So we're chatting with her, and we're like, all right, you know, this is cool. And we're talking about her, about her week. And again, we're like, we were at church, and you know, and chatting it up. So this day goes on. Another day, honestly, the time frame of this is probably a couple weeks, couple months in apart from these. So she really remembered us. Uh, we're at the cash one day. So Jessica and I are there. Are there. We're at the cash, and uh, we're paying for something. And this guy, so we're still in Indigo, in Barhaven. And this guy is, you know, putting the things through the cash, and uh, she comes over, and she goes, if I had daughters, these would be the ones I would have. And she says this to the cashier, and we're like, okay, this is kind of awkward, but all right, thank you. You know, we accept the compliment. And she's, you know, she's going on, and we're like, okay, have a good day. Like, we'll see you later. And so then, you know, time goes on again, and this time it wasn't a Sunday, and I think it was the weekend, Friday or Saturday, and we're in Winners, so right next door. And we're walking, and guess who walks in Winners? <laughs> This lady. So she walks in, and I had that moment of, like, do I pretend I don't see her, you know, and keep going? And I was like, no, 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 that, that, like, that's not who I am. I love talking to people. And so I'm like, no, no. So I see her. I'm like, oh, hi. And she goes, my girls, you know. And we start chatting with her. And before we know it, um, she's starting to talk about some stuff that's going on with her and her husband and her kids. And she's not girls, so she's talking to us and just kind of confiding in us and you know, the conversation wraps up, and she ends up going on, and we end up going on, and I'd love to tell you today that she comes to church here on Sundays, and that she's saved. I don't know. I don't know for a fact. I'd love to tell you that, but I invited her to Christmas Eve last year. Remember that, and she couldn't come, and I invited her. I believe it was to Easter the next time I saw her, and 
I think she couldn't come that time. But what I'm getting at here is the fact that I am believing that this woman is going to come to know Jesus. Whether I play a part in that or whether I get to see it, I'm believing that. But what I'm getting at is the fact that I don't think it's coincidence that she just so happened to drop into our path and that she just so happened to be there when we were in Indigo and she just so happened to open up to us and call her her girls. See, God ordains those moments, guys. He ordains where you are in your life. He ordains the people that come into your life. And so that's point number three of to why we need to trust God tonight is God ordains the path. God ordains the path. That's point number three. You see, in the last portion, portion of Joshua, Rahab made this agreement with the spies. You know, the spies, the, the king's people go and they're out looking somewhere for them. And, and she makes an agreement with the spies and says, hey, if you promise to hide, you know, if I promise to hide you and not tell the king that you're here, you've got to promise to spare my family and my, you know, my life when you guys come and come take over, uh, over our land, because I know you're coming with Joshua. And they go, yeah, fine, deal. But here's, here's the condition. They give a bit of a conditional offer here. They say, Rahab, in order to have this, this you know, agreement here, you've got to tie this cord, this, this red cord, the scarlet cord, remember I said remember that, into the window. And they're like, okay, yeah, you know, well, she goes, yeah, I can do that. That's no problem. And so Rahab does that, and they agree, and they make this agreement. The spies leave, you know, can you imagine scaling down the side of a wall as you're, like, running across and hiding for three days in the hills? So the spies do that. You know, the king's men never find them. The spies go back to Joshua. And what happens? Joshua said, they say to Joshua, like, God's given us this land. Like, these people are so terrified. They have, they're so terrified about what our God can do. Talk about lining up paths there. Talk about God lining up Rahab's path with the spy's path. Of all homes, of all places, of all people. Talk about the paths lining up. You see, I was listening to a sermon, I think it was last week, um, on my own time. And if you don't, if you don't do Jesus time or filling into yourself, whatever you want to call it during the week, guys, honestly, Sundays are not going to sustain you. That's just a side note. You need to be pouring into yourself during the week, whether that's opening your Bible and reading a verse and praying or watching a sermon, guys. Honestly, you need to do more than just a Sunday. And so that's just a side note. But I was, I was watching a sermon, and this preacher said, he quoted Thomas Edison, and he said, coincidence is God's way of remaining anonymous. So coincidence is God's way of remaining anonymous. Coincidence is God's way of remaining, anom- remaining anonymous. You see, so often we chop things up to coincidence. You know, what a coincidence that this lady has, you know, I keep running into her in Indigo, and she somehow thinks that me and my sister are her girls. What a coincidence. You know, what a coincidence that the most popular person in my school has their locker right beside mine. What a coincidence. What a coincidence that, you know, you know I, this person at work is just starting to pour out, you know, their life story to me and saying how they feel like they have no hope. What a coincidence that the same person who I, you know, I play soccer with or basketball with or you name it with is also in my science class or in my geography class or my math class. What a coincidence. Do you think it's coincidence, guys? Maybe, just maybe, God has put you in this path not just for you to impact this person, but for them to impact you. Maybe, just maybe, God has ordained this path and has you where you are for a reason, Do you trust that he's placed you where he's placed you for a reason? Do you trust that he's a purpose with that? Do 
do you have the faith to step out? Because what was the bottom line? Your trust ain't surrendered until God is at the wheel of your heart. Because you can't walk in true trust, guys, when God is second. I was looking into um, a bit more detail about the scarlet cord that we read about that they hung from the window so that Rahab put. And, you know, they compare that to the blood of, of Jesus. When Jesus died on the cross and how he died on the cross for our sins. And when he died, and he rose and he came back to life and he paid the penalty for us, it wasn't just for the people who worked hard. It wasn't just for the people who had a place in society. It was for everyone. And you see, Rahab, Rahab was a prostitute. She was one of the lowest settings in their society. And yet she had faith and she stepped out and said, hey, I'm not going to let fear hold me. I'm going to step out and say, this God that you're serving, you know, there's something different about him. And she chose to have faith and she chose to believe. You see, here's the reality, guys. We're all Rahabs in some extent. We've all got brokenness. We've all got baggage. We've all got things that maybe we're not proud of. We've all got something that we're like, you know, God can't use me because I have this or I have that or there's this part of me that I'm ashamed of. But that's the amazing thing. God comes to where you are at. God came to the level that Rahab was at. God came and met her where she was at in the same way that he will come and meet you where you are at, regardless of what you walked, regardless of what you face. See, in 1 Thessalonians 5, 24, it says, the one who calls you is faithful and he will do it. It doesn't say that he might do it. It doesn't say that maybe he'll do it. It doesn't say sometimes he'll do it. But the one who calls you is faithful and he will do it. You see, you don't need to prove yourself, defend yourself, or make yourself stand out. That's God's job. Our, God is, our job is to trust, to trust that he has a plan, to trust that he has a purpose. Worship team, if you're uh, able to, uh, you can come back up if possible. If you have your, your Bibles or your phones still open, turn to real quick to Hebrews. There's a passage in Hebrews that I, I want to talk about. It's in Hebrews 11. And it's kind of like a hockey hall of fame, but faith hall of fame here. And uh, there's these different names in there who are recognized by the faith they had in God. So you have people like Noah, like Noah had faith to build an ark, even though there was no water. And they're like, yeah, there's going to be water. Okay. But he built an ark. You want to know who made it into that faith passage? Look at verse 31, guys. Hebrews 11:31, And it says, by faith... The prostitute Rahab, because she welcomed the spies, was not killed with those who were disobedient. Rahab made it into this faith passage. Rahab, the prostitute, the one who would think that, you know, God can't use her. She's a prostitute. She made it into this faith passage. She chose faith instead of fear and said, I'm going to step out and have faith in this God. There's something different about him. And she is recognized, guys, that's a big deal that she made it into that. You see, faith or fear and trust go hand in hand because what? When fear is holding ground, your trust is lacking. And so I don't want to assume tonight that uh, everyone here has a, a personal relationship with Jesus. I don't want to assume that we're all on the same page here tonight. So if everyone could uh, close your eyes for a second, no one looking around. Maybe you're here tonight and you're like, Jen, you know, I, 
I just have this, you know, this feeling inside of me tonight that whether it was through worship or maybe something I said, but there's something different about this group. There's something different that I've sensed and there's something different. Maybe you heard me talking about this God who, who Rahab saying, hey, these people, they're trembling in fear because of your God, because your God was able to part a sea. Your God was able to kill these people and, and deliver your people. So maybe you're here tonight and you're like, Jen, I want to believe in this God. I want to have this faith in this God. You see, here at Intensity, we're not about religion. We're about having a personal relationship with this guy named Jesus, the one who died on the cross for our sins, the God who, who comes and makes a way for us. If that's you tonight, and again, I don't want to assume we're all on the same page, but if that's you and you're saying tonight, I want to give my heart to him. I want to have this personal relationship with him that you're talking about. Just put up your hand if that's you and no one's looking around. No one's looking around. If that's you, just put up your hand. A couple more seconds, yeah. So guys, we're going we're gonna to pray together. Everyone in this room, not just if you lifted your hand or not. We're going to pray together and... Uh, yeah. So repeat after me, guys. Dear God, God, thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. God, thank you for paying the price for me, even though I am so undeserving. Father, please forgive me tonight. Forgive me for the ways that I may not have trusted you. Or when I may not have believed in you. Tonight I'm changing that. Today I'm changing that. So God, I, I ask you into my life tonight. I ask you into my life tonight. I ask you to be the king of my life. I ask you to be the king of my life. God and I am choosing to put my trust in you. God, I am choosing to put my trust in you. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. If you made that decision tonight, honestly, yeah, let's clap. That is one of the best decisions you could ever have made. And honestly, if you made that decision, please tell whoever you came with. Tell myself, Pastor Kyle, one of the leaders, because honestly, this is the best decision. If that's, if that's all tonight you came and, and God touches your heart that way and you're making this decision, that is the best thing you ever could have done. So please tell me, somebody, tell somebody, and we want to talk to you afterwards. And my second question, guys, tonight, maybe God's been pulling at your heart tonight. Maybe it wasn't even something I said. Maybe it was through worship. Maybe it was through before you even came tonight that God was starting to talk to you. I, I don't know, whatever it may be. And you're feeling like you have some things that you haven't fully trusted over to God, some things that you haven't fully let go of, some things that you're like, yeah, Jen, you know, I just feel so unworthy to be used by God that there's some things that I'm holding back that I'm not really trusting him with. You see, that's the beauty of it. We say, God, I trust you. I have faith in you. I'm going to step out in courage and I'm believing, God, that you are going to take me and do the immeasurably more. It doesn't mean it's easy. It doesn't mean that you're going to have the perfect life. None of us are perfect, but God is looking for people who are willing. Was Bethany a willing soul? Yeah. Did she have face hardship? Yeah. But as a result of that, look how God is using her, her story, 
You see, regardless of where you're at, regardless of what you've experienced, regardless of the baggage you have, God is this amazing God who comes down and meets us where we're at in the same way that he met Rahab where she was at. And so leaders, if you can just make yourself available, um, maybe some of you up here, leaders, and just around the room, um, if you want prayer tonight, if you're like, Jen, I just need God to show up. I need, I need to, him to show up because honestly, I haven't been trusting him the way I should. Or maybe you simply want to come up and have a leader pray over you so that you're going to have more boldness to step out in faith. Or maybe you just need to have faith tonight to believe that he's going to work on your behalf, whatever it may be. When I, uh, in a minute here, I'm going to invite you to either come to the front if you want. If you're not wanting to come to the front, go to the leaders around the room. Maybe you want to sit in your chair and have a time with God by yourself, and that is okay. Because honestly, guys, every one of us responds and has a relationship with Jesus individually and differently. If you want to go to the back of the room, that's cool too. The worship team's just going to play. Um, and yeah, so if that's you tonight, if, if you're saying, Jen, I need prayer. I need to show God that, yes, I'm trusting. I'm putting a new trust in you.